The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks so much for reading that passage so clearly for us. And um, what a joy to be here with you this morning. I'm just going to pray for the Lord's help, and then why don't we have a look at those wonderful verses together. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we pray that as we come to your word at the start of a new year, you'd help us to understand it, but more than that, to believe it and put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder, what do you think will be the biggest news story in 2021? I mean, I I was saying just a moment ago that I'm completely off my map in terms of what I might expect the year to involve, but, but what do you think will dominate the headlines? What will be really significant in 2021? I mean, they say there are some news stories that are so big you never forget where you were when you heard them. And 2020 has been that kind of year, the year that's just gone, hasn't it? You know, I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget seeing that press conference from the Prime Minister back in March. And, um, and he told us all to stay at home. And, um, and it's, it's so rare for the, the big headlines in the media to have such an impact on our everyday lives in the way that they have in the last year. And so what do you think will be the big stories of 2021, the ones that will be really significant for us? You know, maybe it'll be COVID getting worse, maybe it'll be uh, the vaccine and good news, and um, maybe, you know, life starting to go back to normal in some ways. But what do you think will be the kind of really significant the really weighty stories that lie ahead. It's it's hard not to ask at the beginning of a year like this. And um, this morning, we're we're looking at the beginning of Mark's gospel, just as a one-off, the beginning of one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. And he begins with, with this sentence that we've just heard read, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And That phrase right at the beginning, good news, or if you've got the the slightly older translation, gospel, it means the same thing, good news. Um, I think because it's a familiar word, we can lose the impact of what Mark is saying right at the beginning of his book, because good news can sound quite bland, can't it? 
good news. The, um, the snow has stopped for a bit, or, or maybe that's bad news for you. I don't know. It probably depends on how old you are. But good news, the weather's sunny or something. It can sound a bit anodyne, a bit vanilla, can't it? But what Mark means here when he says the beginning of the good news is momentous. Never forget where you heard it. This changes everything. Really affects your day-to-day life kind of news. Jaw-dropping news. You know, the word gospel or the phrase good news in the first century, it was typically used in two ways, either for the news of a new king being born or the news of war being over and peace beginning. You know, we've used the kind of um, the imagery of war and battle for the, um, the battle against coronavirus a lot in the last year, haven't we? And, um, you know, imagine when that, when it's over and life can finally start to go back to normal. It's the sort of news that makes you want to dance in the street to hear that, doesn't it? And that's the kind of news that Mark says he's bringing in his gospel, in his book. His gospel is jaw-dropping, never forget where you heard it. This changes everything kind of news. And this morning, we're just going to dig into the very beginning of that news. But Before we do, just notice that Mark says what he's writing about here in the Gospels is news. Um, Christianity is historical. Uh, Christianity is not just about being a good person. It's not just a philosophy or a system of ethics or a mystical experience or something like that. Mark says up front, Christianity is about news. It's about something jaw-dropping that happened in history. I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Have you come across the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? It's the idea that given the size of the world and the number of people who live in it, whoever you are, you are only ever six degrees separated from the Hollywood actor Kevin Bacon. Okay, so you know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Kevin Bacon. You see, that's the idea, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. As we read Mark's gospel, we are only two degrees of separation from Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Mark knew Peter, and Peter knew Jesus. He was his best friend for three years. He was there. He saw the major events of Jesus' life. He heard his teaching. He saw him die and rise from the dead. And as we read this, Mark says we're dealing with real news, just two degrees separated from the historical Jesus of Nazareth, the real person, the Jesus of history. So what is it that Mark wants us to know about this Jesus of Nazareth? Well, the first thing he wants us to know is that the king has come. That's the first big piece of news for us. The king has come. Just look again at verse one, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. And that word Messiah or Christ you'll know that that's not just Jesus' surname. It's a title. It means God's promised king. Mark is saying that the news is that this man, the historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, is the king that God had promised all through the Old Testament. And also, verse one, he's the son of God. And again, if you read Psalm two in the Old Testament, son of God is, it's actually a title associated with God's king. 
And so when Mark says the Messiah, the Son of God, he's actually underlining the same point twice. He's saying, don't miss it the first time. This Jesus is King Jesus. And now, of course, um, if if you've read the Old Testament, you'll know that the people of God had many kings over many generations. And to be honest, more than a few of the kings had really let them down. None of them had delivered the hope of life with God in communion with him forever. But Mark wants us to know that this king, Jesus of Nazareth, is the king to deliver all that God has promised. Just look at those quotes from the Old Testament. Verse two, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, there are actually two Old Testament quotes here. Uh, The first one in verse two is from Malachi three, and the one in verse three is from Isaiah 40. You see, the last section of the Old Testament, it begins with Isaiah. He's kind of the big name at the beginning, and it ends with Malachi. And so that's probably why Mark says, in Isaiah the prophet, you know, in the section beginning with Isaiah. But beginning and end of that section, these two promises, they make the same point, really. Verse two, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. See, back in Malachi 3, God's people were far from him. Just before this quote, they're crying out, where is the God of justice? You see, they're saying, why bother? In a world where people sin against God all the time, in a world that's broken and painful, why bother living for God in that sort of world? He just doesn't seem to do anything. Where is the God of justice? Where's the God who's gonna fix the world we live in? And God says in Malachi 3, I'm coming and I'm going to fix the world in which you live. In fact, more than that, I'm gonna send a messenger ahead of me who will get people ready. Malachi 4 tells us that he'll be like Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament. You know, there's a big blockbuster film coming out. If you can remember those days when cinemas were still open and films came out and that sort of thing. Um, For like months beforehand, you have a trailer online and on the side of buses and everything advertising the best bits of the film. And and to be honest, sometimes when you watch the trailer, you feel like you've seen the best of what's going to be in the film anyway. But, But God says this messenger is going to be like the trailer who will get people ready for when he comes to fix the world. And then he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to be the king you need. I'm gonna clean things up in the world, end the pain, end the suffering, end the sin, end the pandemics, and I'm gonna make things the way that they ought to be. And Mark says at the beginning of his gospel, as we meet this historical person, Jesus of Nazareth, that this is God come to be king. And actually, the quote from Isaiah 40 in verse three makes a very similar point. The the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Once again, if you read Isaiah 40, you have God's people in a place of darkness. Frankly, they're despairing, but God says, comfort, comfort my people. And again, he says, I'm gonna send a messenger, a voice, and then I'm going to come and fix what's broken with the world. But you see the common thread? First the messenger, the voice, the trailer, and he's gonna get people ready, and then God is gonna come. 
And Mark says that in the first century, in the wilderness of Judea, was a man who was that messenger. Just look at verse four. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark is saying this man, John the Baptist, out there in the desert, as the crowds come to him, that he was the messenger, the trailer, and that people knew that God was coming to be their king. And just notice, verse four, he came preaching not just baptizing, but a voice preaching a message in the wilderness. Uh, Notice his clothes in verse six. Um, Clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. (laughs) You know, let's be honest. When we first read this, it doesn't necessarily instantly resonate with us, does it? I mean, it sounds like a pretty extreme New Year's diet or something like that to be eating locusts and wild honey. But If you know the Old Testament books of 1 and 2 Samuel, this is exactly how the prophet Elijah dressed and exactly what he ate. You see, Mark is saying this guy's the trailer, the Elijah, getting people ready. The old prophecies for hundreds of years had said that God was coming to be king and here is the messenger saying, look, he's coming, he's right here. And then if I can be naughty and just look outside our passage at verse 9, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And this is the man. This is God come to be the king that we need. And of course, you can read on in Mark's gospel to see all of the evidence as we're allowed to glimpse through the keyhole and see the new world that the king is bringing as he does things that only God could do to show us all that this is the king we need stepping down onto the pages of human history. And so the question is this, this Jesus that the Old Testament and John the Baptist point to, do we recognize him as our king? A few years ago when I, um, when I lived down south in Sevenoaks, I was walking into my local Marks and Spencers and um, uh, there, there was a sort of narrow bit of path that you had to walk on in order to get to the front door of the Marks and Spencers and, and as I was walking down it, there was a, um, a, an Afro-Caribbean lady, a similar sort of age to me, maybe a little bit older, with a toddler walking in the opposite direction to me and um, do you know that sort of dance that you do? when you're both trying to get out of the way of the other person and you both end up going the same way each way. Kind of, well, we, we did that for a bit and eventually we sort of stopped and you know, looked each other in the eye and smiled sheepishly and I stood out of the way and she went past with her kid. And it was only once we were safely out of earshot inside Marks and Spencers that my wife Jess tapped me on the shoulder and said, Andy, you do know that was Dame Kelly Holmes, don't you? You know, I'd stood there, not, you know, certainly not socially distanced, just a metre away from her, looked her in the eye, this Olympic gold medal winner, and had no idea who I was seeing. And you see, the thing is, 
I think for lots of people, when it comes to Christianity, they can be familiar with church, or maybe they've done REA level or something like that, or they grew up in Sunday school and they know something about Jesus, but they've never seen who he really is. God come to be the king that we need. And the question is, do we recognize him as he is? The Old Testament, hundreds of years of prophecy, and John the Baptist stand at the beginning of Mark's gospel and point to this man, Jesus of Nazareth, and they say, don't miss who he is. This is God come to be our king. And so Mark says this is huge news. The promised king who fix everything broken in the world has come. But there's more he wants to say to us. And so um, secondly, we, we see in this passage, um, the good news is that the king has come to bring forgiveness. The king has come to bring forgiveness. Uh, we saw in verses two and three, those Old Testament promise, uh, promises said that God would come and fix a broken world. But the question is, what will this look like? How will he do it? How will it begin this fixed world? We'll look down at what John preaches, his message in verse four. So John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now just notice that phrase there, the forgiveness of sins. I wonder if that's a surprise to us this morning. Uh, we've been talking about a world that's broken and goodness knows you know, as we look back on the last year, we know it is broken. But John says that making this world new, that fixing it begins with the forgiveness of sin. The Bible says that the heart of what's wrong with our world is that our relationship with God is broken. We're alienated from God and everything else that's wrong with our world, all the pain, all the suffering, all the, all the tears flow out of that fact that our relationship with God is broken. I don't know if you were able to see your family this Christmas. Anyone able to catch up with their family this Christmas? My, my family were all in London. We weren't able to go and see them. Um, but um, imagine if your family arrive to see you at Christmas and they ring, they ring on the doorbell, you open the front door, and they say, presents please. And you're a bit taken aback, so you, you, you hand them the presents, and, and then the door is shut in your face. And that's it. It would be, be horrific, wouldn't it? It would be utterly horrific. But the thing is, the Bible says we treat God like that all the time. We're happy to live in the beautiful world that he's made for us, to take all of the good things that he gives us, but, but we're happy to leave him on the outside of our lives. That's what the Bible means by sin. It, it means we want God's stuff in the world he's made, but we don't want God. And God is right to be angry at us for treating him like that. And the Bible says that since Genesis 3, everything that's been wrong with the world flows from the fact that our relationship with God is broken, that we've slammed the door in his face, that we wanted his stuff, but we haven't wanted God. 
And this year, as we see our broken world, we need to face up to the reality that it is sin that breaks our relationship with God and that everything else flows from that that is wrong with our world. And yet here is a message that forgiveness of sins is where the kingdom of God, where the new world begins. Uh, Notice John's baptism. Uh, It's a picture of washing. Uh, My youngest son, Toby, he's three, and I feel like I spend half of my life washing the little boy's hands. You know, he'll have put them in the cat's litter tray or touched goodness knows what, and I need to rush him to the sink and wash his hands. And baptism is a picture of washing. But what if the problem is on the inside? What if the problem is with our hearts and the way that we've treated God on the inside? Well, verse eight, have a look at verse eight. John says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here is a king who comes to wash us clean on the inside. Everything we've done against God and against other people, forgiven and washed away by this king, and the very life of God come to dwell within us, the life of God in the soul of man. And this is why Jesus wasn't just born a baby at Christmas, but grew up and went to a cross and died to bear the penalty for sin so that he could give us forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And so John the Baptist says that this king is incredible, jaw-dropping news because he comes to bring forgiveness, that his kingdom, the fixed world, begins with people who trust in him being washed clean of everything that we've done wrong against God and man. But of course, there's one more key word in John's message. Uh, Did you notice it? Look again at verse four. Um, John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this really gets to the bottom of the right response to the good news. See, I guess you'll know that repent Repentance doesn't mean feel bad. It's not a sort of religious word for feeling guilty about things. Although clearly in verse five, it does involve confessing their sins. But repent really means change your mind or change direction. You know, um, when it came to driving to Uterbridge this morning, last night as the snow was coming down, I was thinking, oh, I, you know, I'd better stick to the main roads. I'll go into town and go out again. And then this morning, it had mostly washed away. So I changed my mind and I drove a more direct route. I didn't feel guilty about that. I just changed my mind. I repented of that decision. But of course, here is a form of repentance, changing your mind, which does involve the confession of sins. But it it means admitting that we've wanted God's stuff but we haven't wanted God. It does mean that, but it means more than that because it means changing our minds about King Jesus and about ourselves. It means stopping being the king of my own life. It means stopping shutting the door in God's face, letting him into my life, 
taking the crown off my own head and placing it at Jesus' feet and saying, I need you to be my king, the king of my world and my life. I need you to forgive me and wash me clean. And this is, this is the response to a king who comes to fix the world, but who begins that work by forgiving us and washing us clean. Look, it, it might be that you're here and you're actually, you're quite new to Christian things and you haven't really dug into the evidence for who Jesus is yet. Maybe this is one of the first times you've really thought about Jesus this morning. And if that's you, just one word to you. It's been said that 21st century people, when it comes to something new, they don't ask the question, is it true or does it work? But am I comfortable with it? Does it fit my existing way of understanding things? And look, I I don't know if that's true or not, but let me encourage you. In fact, more than that, let me plead with you. If you're looking into Christian things, please don't settle for an easy, semi-skimmed spirituality which is just comfortable with where you stand on things. King Jesus is not comfortable He challenges us. He challenges our culture. He calls us to change our mind, to repent. He's not comfortable, but he is real and historical and good. Would you invest yourself in meeting the real Jesus, the Jesus of the eyewitnesses in Gospels like Mark? I'd love to encourage you to do that. And if you're still looking into things and you want to find out more, you can talk to Chris and he'll be able to um, set you up with a good way of getting into one of the Gospels and asking your questions in some context. So have a chat to Chris afterwards. He would love to talk to you about that, I know. But I I guess for, for lots of you here, actually, you'll have been here for quite some time. You know, I'm new here and some of you I know and lots of you I don't, but I, I, I'm... I'm just very well aware that you can be familiar with the Bible, you can be familiar with the evidence for Jesus. You can have sort of looked him in the eye and smiled sheepishly, if I put it like that, but, but never really responded to him and seen him as he is. You know, I'm all too aware it's possible to sit in a chair or a pew and be sympathetic to what you hear, but never really get personal with Jesus Christ. And so it's only right for me to ask you this morning, given that Jesus is God come to be king, given that he offers us forgiveness and cleansing, have you repented? I mean, have you ever got down on your knees and prayed to God and said, King Jesus, I want you to be my king. Please forgive me for leaving you on the outside in my life. Please forgive me for the ways that I've treated other people and rule my life, become my king. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? If you haven't, again, I'd love to talk to you about it. I know that Chris would, but you could pray a prayer like that today. But look, I guess, you know, there'll be lots of people here who'd say, yes, I I can remember (laughs) praying a prayer exactly like that. And I've known Jesus for many years and I've been a member of this church for for, for years and trusting Jesus for myself. And, And let me say, if that's you, my prayer for each of us this morning is that at the start of a new year, we would remember that Jesus Christ 
is the biggest story of 2021. That actually, in amongst all of the other things that, that vie for our attention, we would remember this news that is central to everything, that the king has come to bring forgiveness. There's actually no bigger, more significant, more jaw-dropping good news that you could give to your neighbours here in Uterbridge or your friends at work or at school than that news. And I, I don't know about you, over the last year, I've found myself on the news app on my phone all the time, constantly wanting an update on what's going on and what the latest big story is. And, and that's fine. But how much better in 2021 to make knowing the news, the good news about King Jesus, the thing that gets my rapt attention you know, at this time of year, some people like to do starting to read the whole Bible in the year or something like that. And you don't need to do that, but, but what could we do this year to make knowing this news at the center of our thoughts and what we focus on? Because this is the news that really matters in amongst all the other things that are so significant to you, but Jesus the king has come to bring forgiveness. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back over to Chris. But let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, King Jesus, we want you to be king of our lives. Please forgive us, wash us clean, and help us to have the good news of your rule and your washing and forgiveness right at the center of our attention in 2021. In Jesus' name, amen.